0: Please, may I have your attention, please. Man, wouldn't it be great if in life, every time something important happened or was about to happen, you know, that one little guy would come out and make that announcement, may I have your attention, please? I don't know about you, uh, but I know in my house, attention can sometimes be hard to come by. Uh, when it comes to my children, uh, there are many things vying for their attention, Uh, you know a lot of times for us in our house there's a lot of distractions um, where you're trying to communicate where we're trying to talk to our kids trying to tell them something get them them to do something and we're having to compete against uh, the pets we're having to compete against screen time we're having to compete against playing outside you know there's a lot of distractions Uh, and it's one of those times where it's it's, there's a lot of times I just want to be like can I have your attention please Uh, sometimes it's you do the same thing. A lot of you with, with children still living in the house, you stand between them and the TV or you take the video game remote control out of their hands or put, take their phone from them so you can have their undivided attention. May I have your attention, please? Church, it is good to be with you this morning. We are glad that we get to be together, albeit in this context, uh, as we look forward to, to being together in the Word, as we spend some time in the Word together this morning. Thank you for letting us be a part of your Sunday. Hopefully you're doing well. We are in the process of trying to figure out uh, the next steps of when we're going to be able to gather again. Uh, So church, I ask you to be in prayer for how God is leading, how God is moving, how God is moving in our country and in our world and how we, the church, can continue to be a part of it together, but also how we can be effective in ministering to the world around us. Uh, but when we get the opportunity, we need to make sure that the gospel is present on our lips, that the gospel is present in how we love and how we respond to and how we demonstrate our actions and attitude to the world. We ourselves, with such an urgent message of the gospel, might need to say, may I have your attention, please, please. This is important and I need you to pay attention. You know, it's not just my kids when we're talking about vying for attention or distraction. I'm the same way. Uh, a lot of times my wife, uh, she, she'll come in and, and she'll tell me something really important and it may or may not take. It might be because I'm watching a football game um, or it might be because there's food which is easily distracting to me it might be because there's something else going on i might be reading or something and and my wife walks in and and tells me something very important or something i need to remember and then she leaves now i might have acknowledged that she walked into the room and she did indeed use words in my general direction but in terms of what she said i have no idea um Just completely clueless. Now, have no fear. I'm not going to ask us to pause and discuss a time where this happened in your house, mainly because we like to keep the peace on Sunday mornings. Uh, but we've all experienced those times where we have needed attention or we've been distracted because we're focused on something else. I know for me, one of the things that's a big distraction is a puzzle. I love puzzles. I don't really do a lot of puzzles but I enjoy working on a puzzle. A lot of people can put a puzzle down and just kind of use it as the centerpiece as they have their conversations. They really just uh, sit around and talk and have fellowship and and just a, a rich time of visiting with one another. And oh, while we're doing this, we can work on this puzzle. Not me, man. When a puzzle comes out, I am dialed in. You know, it starts with that border. Y'all, some of y'all are border people. You know, uh, it starts with the border. But then once it starts taking shape, it's like, I'm not listening to anything anyone is saying. I've got to figure out where this piece goes. It sounds a little OCD, um, but I'm just determined, man. I am dialed into that puzzle. I don't hear a thing that's going on around me. It's just trying to figure out where that piece goes. I'm consumed by it. It's just that one, I'm consumed and I've got to figure out what's going on of with this puzzle piece and where it goes. We get distracted in a lot of different ways. But what's unique is everything that distracts us typically is something we like. Typically, the things that distract us are the things that we're attracted to, the things that appeal to us in some form or fashion, whether it's a puzzle piece or whether it's what's happening on the TV screen or something you're enthralled in and you're reading, we get distracted very easily, and it's typically distracted by things that we like. And the reason we're distracted by these things that we like is because we can become consumed by them. May I have your attention, please? Please. That phrase in itself would be very beneficial in my life if that were just to be said or read or spoken before something very important was going to happen that I needed to pay attention to. Um, But that's just me. It just consumes our attention. This morning, I would like for us to take some time and look at God's word and discuss one of the most important disciplines we, the church, can practice regularly. Regularly. I want us to take a step back and I want us to kind of examine, if you will, I want us to kind of uh, dive into a word that's, that's a word on the surface, but it's, an, it's a lifestyle, it's a bunch of actions that when we dive into it and break down and see what it is. And that word is repentance. Now, this is one of those times where we're going to have one of those pause moments. And what I mean by our pause moments is that in just a minute, I'm going to ask you to pause the video, and with the people that you're seated there with, I want you to answer a question or two. I want you to discuss it. I want you to see, not just share your ideas and your opinions on it, but to hear everyone else's opinions out as well. Uh, and the question I want you to answer right out of the gate is, it's kind of a two-part question, what is repentance, and how similar or different is it from forgiveness? What is repentance? What is repentance? And how similar or different is it from forgiveness? I want you to take a minute, hit the pause button, and discuss this question with the people you're with. And when you all get on the same page, go ahead and hit play, and we'll continue. What is repentance, and how is it different, and how is it similar to forgiveness? Hit pause and see what you can come up with. Okay. Hopefully that was able to give you some insight. Maybe uh, you helped somebody else understand it a little bit better. Maybe somebody else helped you understand it a little bit better. Maybe if you're there by yourself, you just kind of had a minute to kind of really flesh out your thoughts and what you think, what you know about repentance. Repentance is defined this way. Sincere regret or remorse sincere regret or remorse. You know, repentance is one of those Bible words. It's one of those churchy words uh, that's used a lot in the context of the church. We use it uh, in commonly in sermons. We might use it in Sunday school. We use it when we discuss uh, oftentimes, it's, it's hand in hand with things like forgiveness. But when we talk about repentance, we're talking about uh, things that happen in the church. If we're not careful, we can use terminologies that can leave people who don't understand Scripture, who don't have a relationship with Jesus, behind. So this morning, Before we dive into our text, I want us to take a look at repentance. I want to share with you several characteristics about repentance that you may or may not have been aware of. If you are aware of them, then use it as a as a refresher. If you're not aware of them, then let's talk about repentance in three specific areas together. The first thing I want us to see about forgiveness, or excuse me, that I want us to see about repentance is that repentance is different than forgiveness. A lot of times people think they're kind of the same thing. A lot of times people think, well, repentance is forgiveness, and forgiveness is repentance. They're not. They're two completely separate things. Number one, we need to understand that when we talk about biblical forgiveness and biblical repentance, we need to understand that true biblical forgiveness was already accomplished and achieved on the cross when Jesus laid down his life. Forgiveness was demonstrated, shown, and initiated by God through Jesus and demonstrated on the cross that when Christ laid down his life his perfect life and he became the propitiation uh, because he and his life his blood paid the price for all of sin of humanity and it's a gift of grace that's offered to all that was the beautiful definition and essence of forgiveness it was enough to forgive the sins of all who had come before. It was enough to forgive the sins of all who who came after, including us now. That is forgiveness. Forgiveness is an action uh, it's, 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 Forgiveness is an action on God's part towards us. It was God's response to sin. Repentance, on the other hand, repentance is our action. Repentance is our response. To sin. so we have forgiveness that's already been established by Jesus on the cross it was established by God that we are forgiven but our response to our sin it was God's response to sin was forgiveness our response to sin is repentance and we're going to come back to God's response to sin because God's actual response to sin when we stand before him when we stand accountable before him one day and we all will his response is either going to be a reflection of his judgment Because of our lack of repentance or his response will be uh, an acknowledgement of our salvation because of our practice of repentance. We'll get to that a little bit later, but I want us to understand that as we talk about repentance, the first thing we see is that repentance is different from forgiveness, And and, and here's here's the true story, that even though there are people, and and maybe this is you, that are believers in Christ, maybe we have been forgiven, we have acknowledged and accepted the gift of forgiveness through Jesus, and our response to that was repentance, we are still human, and we still sin, we still have a sinful nature, we still battle and wage war with our sin in and of ourselves so we are still required to respond to our sin with repentance yes we have been forgiven but we respond to our to our sin with repentance even though we've been forgiven our awareness of our sin and our sin that causes separation between us and God you need to understand that 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 when we talk about, we're going to get to this in just a minute, when we talk about that initial relationship, our initial response to salvation was our initial awareness that our sin separates us from God. And when we talk about how God bridged that gap by the cross, by the blood of Jesus, that we are forgiven our sin still creates a separation it still creates distance from God it is not God withdrawing himself from us because of our sin it's oh Justin you're you're disgusting how dare you I'm I'm pulling away it's it's us withdrawing from God because we're clinging on to something else that isn't him and because we are Human, and because even those of us who are believers, we still sin. This still is a problem that happens in our relationship with God. That when we pursue or when we cling to our sin, it creates a separation, it creates a distance between us and God. Yes, we are still forgiven. It doesn't change the fact that we've been forgiven, but we still are called to respond to that forgiveness by repentance. Uh, this can get a little, little tricky, little bogged down. Uh, so I'm trying to walk through it very slowly. So forgive me if if I'm not trying to talk down to anyone or or trying to assume a lack of intelligence. I just want to make sure we flesh it out fully because when we talk about repentance, what repentance is, we, we already defined it earlier, a sincere regret or remorse is repentance. What it looks like is a complete 180 degree turn from our sin, which means if I am facing this way in pursuit of my sin, repentance from that sin would require me to make a 180 degree turn and pursue something completely opposite. In the situation where we talk about who God is and his love for us and what he's afforded to us in Jesus, it is us pursuing our sinful nature, pursuing our lifestyle of sin, recognizing that, hey, you know what? This sin is this way. God is this way. It is radically pulling me in the opposite direction from God it is separating me from God and in order for me to repent from my sin is to make a full 180 degree turn and fully embracing and moving towards and pursuing that which saves us which also means that our repentance turns our back completely on sin it's not even a halfway where we can still see our sin as we pursue Jesus but it's to completely turn our back towards it, to where it's not even in our blinders not even in our rearview mirror it's not even anywhere in our vision because we are fully pursuing the lord that while we have experienced forgiveness we will still sin yes that sin is covered yes that sin is already forgiven but we are still called and tasked with repentance it's different because the truth of the matter is that when we are living in our lives, if we haven't turned from our sin, then we're never going to experience true repentance. You've still been forgiven. The blood of Jesus still covers and it eliminates and takes away the sins of the world. But we are not in repentant if we are not returning from our sin. Repentance and forgiveness are two completely different things. And when we choose to not turn away from our sin, we're kind of justifying our sinfulness because we refuse to let go of it. We refuse to turn from it. We refuse to fully pursue and and grab a hold of God because we're still trying to hold on to something else. And there's not repentance. Have we been forgiven? Yes. Have we repented? No. If we're not fully turning away, forgiveness and repentance, they're not the same thing, church. And we need to understand that while Jesus and what God has demonstrated to us on the cross is forgiveness, we are still tasked and called to repent, which leads me to the second thing about repentance that we need to understand moving forward, that repentance requires confession, repentance, true repentance requires confession, a lot of times we think, well, confession is something you do. We, we associate it with maybe uh, a different denomination or a different religion that, well, we don't have to go to confession or anything like that. Yeah, we do. We just don't go and confess it to man. We go and confess it to God. And even in James chapter 5, he says, you know what? It's good for believers to confess their sins one to another because the prayer of a righteous man, the prayer of a righteous man availeth much. The, man, the prayer of the righteous man covers so we're called to confess true repentance requires confession every single person that is watching this every single person that's hearing this has been involved with conflict of some sort now maybe that conflict uh is between a husband and a wife and i'm not talking about some major blow up it could be something very small leaving the toilet seat up turning the toilet paper to where the roll comes down instead of over i I don't know but we've all engaged conflict maybe some of your conflict that you're thinking about the context of the conflict you're thinking about is is like between siblings uh, a pair of siblings or more siblings and they come into conflict with one another maybe you're thinking about a conflict between you and a best friend every single person hearing this has been in conflict with someone at some time now do you remember when those conflicts were unavoidable do you remember when those conflicts that you encountered or you were engaged in uh it was something that you just you couldn't get around maybe it was basically oftentimes conflict comes where two forces are unwilling to budge and they don't agree or see eye to eye and you have these conflict moments what happens there in the face of that conflict when conflict arises it creates distance it creates a separation that, that you're not jiving as well as you did or you're not in unison as well as you were or if it's your BFF, that suddenly you just kinda, you're just kind of friends. You're not best friends or whatever. It creates a separation. Now, what happens that you and that person, whether it's a spouse, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a friend, whether it's a coworker, whatever it is, there's a distance that's been created. What happens when you come back together? What happens when you come back together? It's not just to come back and we pick right back where up where we left off before the conflict and we keep going. Now, you might think, well, yeah, I'll do that all the time, but the truth of the matter is that an unresolved conflict is still there and it's going to lead to more conflicts down the road and it's going to create more separation, more distance. But what happens when there's conflict and the two people, the two parties involved when those conflict come back together, at some point in time, it's good for those two people to look at each other and be like, okay, we ran into conflict. Let's talk about it, and that is essentially what its reflection of is a confession of this is where we were wrong, and that's what healthy conflict resolution looks like. Is we, we acknowledge where we were our fault in it, and as well as we depend on the other person to, we don't have to point out their fault, and then we work through it together. And this is this can be kind of entertaining at some point in time. Guys, when two guys have conflict, guys handle conflict really well. Uh, it, it's kind of like this. <clears throat> what's up man what's up hey man uh i'm sorry we cool uh i don't know you gonna eat that brownie nah man it's yours yeah man we cool That's guy conflict. Resolution right there. It's all taken care of. Girls are a little bit different. You take two girls and there's conflict between them and it's time to kind of own it out. Kind of looks something maybe like this. Becky, we need to talk. You know, Tiffany, I've been thinking the same thing like I think it's just overdue. It's time for us to talk. And then what happens next is a conglomeration of these two females talking and, and crying and squeaking and squealing at the same time. Uh, and the like the last thing you hear and there's like tears and they're hugging and everything's good. And like the last thing you hear is one of the other of them say like, oh my gosh, you're totally going to be in my wedding and, and whatever. And now everybody's happy and conflict resolved but what happens in both of those scenarios is a form of confession now these are kind of being silly i'm trying to create a moment of levity hopefully in your living room uh because it's just uncomfortable standing up here in front of an empty room i'm just going to be honest with you so maybe it's more for me but thank you for being patient but what we're talking about here is is, is there must be confession if there's in order for there to be true repentance and our relationship with god When we know that there is a sin issue that has caused separation, that has caused some distance between us and God, too often times we as believers just kind of take the mentality of, well, you know, God already knows what I've done and I'm already forgiven, so we're good, right? No. Repentance starts with confession. Confession is not just mandatory for repentance. Repentance, True repentance starts with confession 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 and the distance is not God moving away from us again it's us that has moved away from God it's us needing to come back to the father and confessing our sins confessing where we went wrong first John chapter 1 verses 8 through 10 says this says if we claim to be without sin we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us look at this in verse 9 if we confess our sins He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Church, that's a really bold statement there at the very end of verse 10. That if we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Guys, what happens When we have sin in our lives and there's no confession. And we think, well, you know, sometimes my confession, I just sit there and and I talk to God quietly and it's just in my head. and, and, And yeah. Are you really confessing those things? If we just say we think about them, are we confessing them or are we dwelling on them? John writes here, it says... If we claim we have not sinned, if we claim to be without sin, in other words, if we're not claiming our sin, then we're deceiving ourselves, and the truth is not in us. But that's why we hang on to that verse 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive. You see, what happens if we confess our sins, which is the beginning point of repentance, that's our response to our sin. What does God do in response to our sin? He forgives. True repentance begins with us confessing to God how we have sinned, how our sin has created separation, how our sin has created distance. Because when we do, when we confess our sin, we have no choice but to come face to face with our failure. When I was a boy, I, I was always, or I was pretty consistent in doing foolish things. Sometimes I would choose to do foolish things. Sometimes they would just happen. But the one thing that was consistent in my foolishness as a boy is that my parents would always find out. I don't know how they did that. But my parents always found out when I would make a mistake or would do something foolish, particularly if I did something foolish willingly. Uh, my dad, when I would get caught in these moments, always wanted to make sure that I was fully aware Of my decisions, fully aware of my mistakes. I remember one time uh, when I was a boy, I was using something that just so happened to break while I was using it. Don't cast judgment. You did the same thing. And that person in the room, you might want to hit pause and confess that right now. It's just between you and your family or whoever you're with Uh, but I was I was playing with something that just so happened to break while I was using it and of course I did like a responsible child would do I simply put it back maybe even further back uh, to where no one else would see it and I moved on to something else well inevitably it came to light that this thing was broken and my father uh, remembered the last person who was using it and uh, I will never forget him coming to get me and he brought me to this thing and he said, Justin, uh, how did this get this way? I don't even know. I have no clue. Fascinating mystery we have here in our family, Dad. I don't know. (laughs) You know, it was just, who was the last person using this, do you think? Well, you know, I was weak as a child, Uh, I guess, apparently when it came to his will, when he would just question me over and over, because he knew the truth, and what eventually happened was confession eventually it's like I broke it it was me I'm so sorry you know there was always a confession that happened because why my father wanted me to come face to face with my own choices my father would bring me to this place where I saw what I did because when you see what you do when you're face to face with your failures you have to confess that they're failures you have to confess that they're wrong you have to confess that you're guilty True repentance starts with confession. And the beautiful thing about this with my father, the beautiful thing it is that that is with our heavenly father is that when we we confess and we enter into true repentance, man, the next step in that is, is restoration between us and the father. And it's beautiful. But it has to start with confession. Confession leads to repentance. And maybe that's where some of us maybe that's maybe that's the barrier none of us some of us can't get over maybe that's the barrier that some of us need to look at is recognize the sin in our lives and we need to recognize this is our failure this is our mistake and maybe it's time to own it and the only way to do that is to confess it you know in all the, uh, the programs that you hear about with substance abuse the first step to recovery is admitting there's a problem it's the same thing in our sin. It's admitting, it's confessing that we are the problem. It's the first step to true repentance. And when we choose not to come face to face with our sin, don't lie to yourself and believe that you've repented from it. You're still ignoring it, you're still denying it, and you're stealing not to try having to deal with it. I've talked to multiple people that are just like, you know, I, I still deal with this issue. What issue? It's just a sin issue. What sin issue? And they can't even bring themselves to say it because they're so ashamed of it because that's what happens in repentance. We're ashamed of what we've done. We're ashamed of the sin that, that has weighed us down, that has drugged us down. We're ashamed of it and we don't want to own it. But when we don't own it, we continue to allow it to have room and space in our lives. Repentance begins with confession. Then maybe some of us need to just spend some time in our prayer closet or just one-on-one with God verbally out loud saying and confessing god here is my sin god here is where i have been failing you god let me share with you let me be face to face with my sin so that repentance can start in my life many of us are still dealing with the same sin issues we had years months weeks ago because we refuse to confess our sin true repentance begins with confession and that's where we got to start. Number three, I want you to see this about repentance. Repentance is not a one-time thing. Repentance is not just a one-time thing. Too often, we associate repentance with our initial salvation experience. We, we, we uh, associate repentance with, with what happens the very first time we were ushered into the presence of God. Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter, 10, verse, chapter 7, verse 10... He says, godly sorrow brings repentance that leads to salvation and leaves no regret. But worldly sorrow brings death. Yes, salvation begins with an awareness of the presence of sin in our lives. Salvation begins when the fact that we, maybe that confession say, we recognize I've made mistakes. I have sinned. We recognize that our sin has caused distance. It has separated us from God. It's broken fellowship with god we recognize these things these first steps of repentance these first steps of salvation we we recognize that uh we recognize what our sin is the way our sin is. we recognize that it's time for a confession of sin uh if you remember the abcs of salvation is the first step is what admit confess admit you're a sinner we recognize these things and then we start practicing repentance See, we understand and we accept the forgiveness that was afforded to us by Jesus on the cross. That's God's response to our sin. And then we repent in the sense that that initial salvation moment, we repent and we turn from our sin and turn to Jesus. We turn to God. But guess what? Just like we said earlier, as we walk this road, we're still fallen man. We still battle and deal with sin. If the only time we deal with repentance is on our salvation, then we're doing it wrong because repentance is not just a one-time thing repentance should be just as evident in our lives as the amount of sin in our lives it's not we are real real heavy and deep on sin and we have a little bit of repentance because that repentance covers the sin no if we have sin we need to confess it begin repenting about confessing it and owning one sin at a time and turning from those sins our repentance and our sin should be in equal proportions to one another. In other words, the more we sin, the more we should be practicing repentance. And here's a little hint. The more you practice repentance, the less you're going to sin. Because true repentance makes you disgusted when you're face-to-face with your failures, when you're face-to-face with your choices, when you're face-to-face with your own sin. It's disgusting. It's appalling. It is no longer attractive or beautiful. It's no longer something that we should desire. It is something that turns our stomach that makes us think, I can't believe I was associated with this. I confess that this is not just a sin. This is sin has created distance from God. It has broken and separated our fellowship, at least created a gap that it's awkward now. But I am now turning from it because I can't believe I was even a part of it. I confess it, I turn from it, and God, I no longer want it to define the, the distance or define the relationship that we have. Repentance. It's not just a one-time thing. It's an everyday thing. It's not just, whoa, well, I got saved and I, I, I repented. Have we repented this week? Have we looked at this weekend? Have we looked at even on Sunday and repented from the sins that have weighed us down? Hebrews chapter 12 verse 1, the author says this, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders. And what? The sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance, the race marked out for us. Look at this. Repentance is not just for the lost person. It's not just for the new believer. Repentance is for all of us. Why? Because all believers are still sinners. And what happens? And what did Hebrews, the author of Hebrews, just tell us? That our sin still, what? Easily entangles. It's sin doesn't just entangle us. It does. It easily entangles us. Why? Because our flesh craves the things of this world. And it's not hard to convince us that some of the things of this world, temptation, looks good and makes us want to reach for it, makes us want to partake in it, makes us want to participate in it. We easily can entangle ourselves with sin. The author of Hebrews, as he's writing this in chapter 12, verse 1, he's talking to an audience of believers. And he's warning them, the sin, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles let me ask you this if repentance was a one-time thing it was our one-time response to all the sin that we had recognized it separated from us to god for us to embrace the forgiveness the offer of forgiveness found in jesus and we turned to him if it's only a one-time thing what happens the very next step when i sin then if i'm not repenting what's happening the distance between me and god is continually building because i'm st- steadily choosing to move and chase after something that's not him the sin That's so easily entangled. Hosea, God spoke through his prophet Hosea in Hosea chapter 14, verse 1. Look at the, the, the command that was given here. It says, Return, Israel, to the Lord your God. Your sins have been your downfall. Return, Israel. Who is Israel again? I know it's God's chosen people, the people that God has set aside for himself. We're not talking about some pagan heathen nation that had no idea who God was. No, this is his own chosen people that Hosea, the prophet Hosea was saying, hey, Israel, God's chosen people return to the Lord, your God, because your sins have been your downfall. You're not you're not repenting. He's telling him to return to him. To repent. Because your sins are still weighing you down. If I, I can claim to be a salvation, I can claim to have salvation in Christ Jesus, but now when I practice repentance regularly is what's leading me and growing me in that relationship with Jesus. Repentance is not a one time thing that only happens the first time that we give our lives to Christ. Repentance is a consistent daily thing that we practice. As much as we practice sin, we should be practicing repentance. See, when believers sin, even though we have already experienced forgiveness from the penalty of our sin, by the way, that's called justification for those who are keeping score at home, then we practice repentance. Guys, repentance doesn't mean we start over. A lot of times we still get past, we can't get over the stigma that repentance is is what happens when we first become a believer in Jesus Christ. No, it's, it's more than that. It's not a practice of starting over. Repentance is not starting over. Repentance is clinging to the principle that our sins have been forgiven. We've already been justified when we accept the forgiveness of our sins. And when we sin after our justification, these can't be undone. We're relying on the principle of letting the power of forgiveness work in other areas of our lives. It's, it's, It's kind of like this. My wife and I are married. I love my wife greatly. She loves me greatly. She accepts me. She chooses me. She allows me to be loved by her and she allows me to love her. So when I do something very me like and I offend my wife or I drop the ball on something or I let her down or I disappoint her, we are still married. And the love we share doesn't change, it's not altered. The forgiveness she gives me when I make mistakes. She doesn't come in and be like, well, you know what, you made a mistake. I guess we need to go back and renew our vows in order for our marriage to still count towards something. No. It doesn't change the fact that we're still married. It doesn't change the fact that she still loves me and still chooses me and still accepts me. We don't have to start over. It's just an application of a new area in my life that she is practicing the vows of her marriage it's the same thing with god see when jesus died on the cross when jesus proclaimed it is finished he meant every word he said and he was meant was the price has been paid the penalty of sin is finished it has been fully paid forgiveness has been experienced in this area of our lives We cannot lose, once we have been justified through the salvation of Jesus, we cannot lose that justification. But what we do by practicing repentance is apply that forgiveness and apply the principle of God's love in a different area of our lives in this way that we have already been forgiven, but we get to experience that forgiveness through repentance in other areas of our life. Now, why is there such a push towards repentance? Today, Why are we talking about this? Well, that leads us to the text that I actually want us to look at today. And it's found in the book of Amos chapter 4. The book of Amos chapter 4. Maybe we need to hit pause so you can find the book of Amos. Gonzo, it's it's page 914. Uh, But the book of Amos chapter 4. I want us to look at this passage of scripture that God gives us in this minor prophet in the Old Testament. Yeah, you there yet good because i'm fixing to read and if you're not ready hit pause and get there So let's go amos chapter 4 beginning in verse 6. It says this God is speaking here. He says I gave you empty stomachs in every city And a lack of bread in every town Yet you have not returned to me declares the lord I also withheld rain from you when the harvest was still three months away I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another One field had rain, another had none, and dried up. People staggered from town to town for water, but did not get enough to drink. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Many times I struck your gardens and vineyards, destroying them with blight and mildew. Locusts devoured your fig and olive trees. Yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I sent plagues among you as I did to Egypt. I killed your young men with the sword along with your captured horses. I filled your nostrils with the stench of your camps, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. I overthrew some of you as I overthrew Sodom and Gomorrah. You were like a burning stick snatched from the fire, yet you have not returned to me, declares the Lord. Look at those, look at those five verses, 6 through 11. What do you see? The word, the, the, the subject of these sentences is I. And God is speaking here. We are seeing God initiate these afflictions on the people of Israel. Look at that, verse six. I gave you empty stomachs. I withheld rain from you. I sent rain on one town, but withheld it from another. I struck your gardens. I sent plagues. I killed your young men. I filled your, I overthrew. We see the, God is the initiator here. Of the torment and the things that they're dealing with look at verse 12 let's keep reading therefore this is what i will do to you israel god's chosen people and because i will do this to you israel prepare to meet your god he who forms the mountains who creates the wind, and who reveals his thoughts to mankind, who turns dawn to darkness and treads on the heights of the earth. The Lord God Almighty is his name. Mm. See, what happened in this text, and Amos was prophesying against Israel, God was speaking through the prophet Amos, is that Israelites had radically turned away from God. And when I say radically turned away from God, I'm not talking about they forgot God for just a few minutes. No. Because earlier in the Old Testament, when we see Israelites forgetting God, God would bring maybe just one of something that looked like this down upon them, and it would cause them to turn back to God, and they would repent, and they would be restored in their relationship with God. No, they had radically turned away from God. And God was bringing these things down on them. Look at what's listed here. We have a famine, we have drought says blight and mildew which are crop diseases locusts plagues the sword complete overthrow you know if you look at this list you know what it sounds like don't you it sounds like the egyptians it sounds like egypt when god initially was bringing the israelites out you saw plagues you saw locusts you saw famine you saw some of these and and god was doing these things to egypt why because Egypt was an enemy of God. And now we see him doing these things to the Israelites. That's pretty, that's pretty potent right there. You would see this and you'd be like, man, why? why is God doing this? God is doing this to his people. Why is God turning on his people like this? And that's exactly why I want us to look at this text. This is what we need to see. It's because five times... The Lord declared, after these things happened, yet you have not returned to me. The word that's used here in the original uh, Hebrew, the word that's used here for returned is a word called sub or sub. And it is the Old Testament word for repent. The word used here for returned is the word used here for repent. God is saying to his chosen people, I am God. God. And I have loved you, I have provided for you, but now I am doing all of these things. Why? To get your attention. Because if I can get your attention, you will turn back to me. You will repent. Yet you choose not to. Church, these things were happening to God's chosen people because they were choosing not to repent. And the reason we're talking about repentance today, the reason we're kind of unpacking and looking at this is because Westmead, the church, the church, capital C church as a whole, those who call themselves followers of Christ need to understand something that God is trying to drive home here. Repentance is a really big deal to God. And it's not a one-time thing. Repentance and forgiveness, they're not the same thing. And it begins with confession. Repentance is a big deal to our God. You know why? Because our sin that separated us from God is a really big deal to God. Is it a really big deal to you? Is your sin that you know is creating a distance between you and God? If you're a believer, you know that the sin that that has so easily entangled you has created a distance, It's created separation between you and God. Do you know that's a really big deal to God? Is it a really big deal to you? Or are you just living with the mindset of, God's already forgiven me. He knows what's going on. That's not repentance. God did these things. God was moving amongst his people, against his people, treating them like enemies because they refused to repent. God was doing these things to try to lead them to the place of repenting. Just like we said in the Old Testament, God would do these things to grab a hold of their attention and bring them back to him. God's pursuit of us, God's abundance and His forgiveness that He has already shown and His consistent pursuit of us in spite of ourselves is so urgent. His pursuit is so passionate and compassionate that when we are distracted by sin, He pursues us relentlessly trying to get our attention however He can so that we would fix our eyes on Him and turn from our sin and reestablish our fellowship with God. This is how God loves us. This is why we have something in our life called conviction. Conviction. Where we recognize through godly sorrow, through God-given sorrow, the grievance that our sin is causing, not just us, but making us aware of the distance between us and our sin. God is trying to get our attention. You remember earlier when we were talking about uh, things that we get distracted by and, and inevitably the things that distract us the most are the things we like. I was talking about that silly puzzle that it wasn't just like, man, I couldn't, I wasn't paying attention to what was being said or, or anything that people discussed. I was completely consumed with that puzzle and getting the next piece and moving forward. That's exactly what Israel found themselves in. They had become completely consumed with the sin that they had easily become entangled in. They had become consumed with idol worship. They had become consumed with a building that they would go and worship in. And they would worship golden uh, idols. They had become distracted by it and they were dialed in. And God was creating such a ruckus with all of these things that it still wasn't getting their attention And leading them to repent unfortunately israel never repented so we see a glimpse in judgment in verse 12 when he says therefore this is what i will do to you israel because i will do this to you israel prepare to meet your god god was saying this if you're not going to return to me i'm going to come to you it's almost a foreshadow it's also a foreshadowing foreshadowing of jesus the coming messiah And who opposed Jesus the most when he was on this earth? The Jews. God's chosen people. Prepare to meet your God. You haven't returned. You haven't repented. You haven't come back to me, so I'm going to come to you. Mm. Church, this is where we are today. One day, judgment will come. For all of us yeah even you no one is exempt and on that day where we will stand accountable for God and we all will stand accountable to God will that day be a day of judgment because we chose not to repent because we never gave our lives because we never trusted because we never even turned around the first time to see the love that Jesus had for us we rejected the offer of salvation through Christ will it be a day of judgment when we stand before him or will it be a day of salvation permanent deliverance from the weight of sin in this world on that day when we turn and look and see what his name is announced to us in verse 13 the Lord God Almighty Will it be a day of judgment or salvation? God is calling us all to repentance. I pray that God doesn't use these drastic measures or worse to get your attention. May we have your attention, please. And what is God doing to make you aware of the urgency of repentance that is a big deal to Him, that you would turn from your sin? And be completely consumed with pursuing the Lord God Almighty, your Savior. Church, if you're a believer, are you, ready, are you regularly practicing repentance? Is the weight of sin and the weight of repentance balancing out in your life? Because if you will, you'll notice they both start getting lighter. Or church, are we too consumed with our own pride or consumed with our own justification that we don't, we don't want to acknowledge where we sin, we don't want to confess that we're wrong, we don't want to look, come face-to-face face with our mistakes, we're missing repentance. And I'm being completely honest with you, it is hindering your relationship with Jesus. Just like in those other examples we talked about earlier, when there is a conflict, when there is distance, repentance narrows that gap repentance drink brings us closer back to the father and when there is no repentance we're saying to god i'm content with being separated from you is that the condition of your heart church i pray it's not because i promise you this god loves you so much that if we choose not to turn back to him he's going to do everything he can to get our attention to show us and remind us of his presence and his love for us. May I have your attention, please, Justin. You better put the puzzle piece down. You better turn off the TV because I need you to hear something. I love you and I miss our fellowship. What's God saying to you? Maybe you're sitting here thinking, you know what? I'm not a believer. I'm not a Christian. Well, we just kind of walk through that what that looks like and how do you respond to that God loves you so much God loves you so much that he's not content with sitting back and watching you be separated from him God is pursuing you and he's making you aware of his presence even for the fact that you're watching this tells me that God is reminding and showing you of his love for you it starts with confession it starts with confessing that yeah I am a sinner I have sinned in my life, I've made mistakes, and I recognize now that the weight of my sin has separated me from you, God, and I desire to be one of yours. I accept the love offering of Jesus that it covers my sin, that it erases my sin so that I can be a follower of Christ. God, I choose you. And church church or whoever you are, if we never have that conversation with God, if we never accept and believe on the name and the life of Jesus Christ sent to us by God, if we never accept that, we will stand judged before the Lord and separated from him for all eternity. But the gift of life is being abundantly offered to you with every single breath you take don't miss that for some of you you might even be a westmead member you remember walking down an aisle you remember repeating a prayer after some guy you might even remember getting in the water and calling it baptism but maybe today you recognize i've never repented of my sin and that's why I've always felt so far away from God. Don't wait. I know where you are. We don't have aisles to come down. we don't have organ music to play, but don't wait. Call me if you want to. text me if you can. Somebody, reach out to somebody and say, "I'm ready to give my life to Christ. You really don't even need a person. God is abundantly available right there to you. Open your life to Him. Confess your sins receive and accept the love offering of Christ that God sent us and understand what forgiveness looks like from God's behalf and our response to that in repentance. You're not defined by your sin unless you choose your sin. May I have your attention, please. Has God got your attention? Will you give it to him and respond with repentance? I hope you will. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for the church today. God, the church that came, the title of church came with a steep price. It was the blood of Jesus. And Father, we thank you so much for loving us and forgiving us for a weight that we couldn't possibly bear nor could we even fathom or imagine. So God, today, for those who claim Jesus as Lord, may we eagerly accept and practice the discipline of repentance. God, make us aware of our sin through conviction. God, that you, we would be reminded of our distance that our sin causes us between us and you, God, and that we would turn from it and passionately pursue you, God. God, I pray for uh, the people in, that are watching this or hearing this, Father, those who call themselves followers, that they would be eager uh, to chase after you through repentance, beginning with confession and making it a daily practice, but God, I also lift up those who might be hearing this, that they have doubts. Maybe they don't have doubts. Maybe they know for a fact that they've never truly repented and given their life to you, and Father, I pray that even in this moment that your conviction would be upon them, God, but uh, they would be aware of your presence and your call to them. May they cry out to you, confessing their sins, believing that Jesus is the Son of God that lived a perfect life and laid it down and didn't just lay down his life but picked it back up again and walked out of a tomb, God, paying the price for our sins and conquering death on our behalf. God, that they would confess and they would believe that Jesus is Lord. God, may Jesus be Lord of all of our lives and may we practice it regularly through repentance. God, thank you for our time together this morning. Thank you for your eternal word. Be glorified in our lives today. Bring us back together on your timetable so that you would receive all the glory and honor and praise. In your name we pray these things. Amen. Church, I hope you have a great day. I miss you. I love you. I look forward to seeing you when we can.